scripture this morning, we continue in the book of Luke, in chapter 13, verse 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Have you ever been in conversation with someone, a friend or even a family member, and a subject comes up and as you're in conversation, they start to go off on this seemingly nonsensical tangent? By the end of it, you're just trying to figure out where it came from, let alone the point of it. I wonder if that's how his disciples reacted sometimes with Jesus' parables. Once you learn to break them down and really read between the lines, it's usually not too hard to figure out what Jesus was actually saying. But I imagine in real time, as they were being said aloud, they might not have had quite the reaction that he was hoping for. We're here in the third week of Lent, and our gospel lesson is still teaching us about the importance of repentance. The telling of the untimely deaths of several Galileans and Judeans, followed by the parable of the fig tree, starts a section of Luke's narrative that focuses on Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and on repentance. Throughout the rest of the chapter, Jesus will bring several parables to light in an attempt to get his disciples to finally hear what he's been trying to tell them and to see the importance that they change their ways. The pericopes for, the last, for last week and this week both start with a declaration and a report about the hostilities of the leaders. Both Herod and Pilate have been brought into the reports that either these Pharisees or the disciples bring to Jesus for his immediate reaction. We do not know for sure if the story about the blood and the Galileans being mixed with the sacrificial blood actually happened. There is no source anywhere else, biblically or historically, that mentions it in, society, in such an atrocity. Of course, it is very possible that it happened, but it is also possible that the disciples had been told such a story just to get their ire up and to see if, they, if there could be some anger fueled in Jesus. Jesus' response about the tower is also not mentioned anywhere else, but there is historical evidence that backs up that such a thing as a collapse could have happened. 
At the time, all Roman cities were walled, and in Jesus' time, the wall had made a turn just by the pool of Siloam. So it's quite possible that a guard tower would have been there for security. This passage is in the end of a series of ominous warnings about the tensions of the times with the people and those in power. A reality that had disrupted, that had disrupted disruptive effects on family life, economics, religious traditions, and human destiny. Very much like the preachings of John Baptist, John the Baptist, Jesus was preaching about the complete transformation of the world that was at hand and the need for all those with ears to hear of the necessity to repent. The fruitless fig tree paints a picture of what Jesus was trying to say. Repent or be left to endure the full force of God's judgment. In true human fashion, the common assumption among the people of Israel surrounding sin and suffering was that those who had experienced pain and affliction were being punished by God, either for something they had done or for something that their ancestors had done. It is actually still a common thing among some people now. We still think that a lot. It is human nature to wonder why bad things happen to good people. There's a whole section of theological scholars that dedicate their time to this question of theodicy, which breaks down basically the presence of God through suffering. Jesus was confronted by his own disciples with similar questions. They were struggling to understand his ministry of healing and forgiveness in the face of some really horrible things. They would ask him things like why someone was born blind. Did he sin or did his parents sin? But what Jesus tells them is that those that died at the hands of Pilate and those that were killed in the tower collapse were not any more sinful than any of the people standing before him. Jesus redirects the focus from the question of theodicy and focuses it instead on the idea that all people have sinned and all people have fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus reminds us that divine judgment is not inevitable, but is contingent on repentance. A good seminary word for this is metatonia which means a complete turning around, turning away from former beliefs and actions in a faithful acceptance of God's kingdom through the person and the works of Jesus Christ. It's a big, long one. Through the parables of the fruitless fig tree, the need for repentance is also turned into a story of hope. Jesus' intent in the telling of the story of the fig tree is to bring light that is to bring to light the unfathomable nature of God. Grace and mercy is a gift, but the gift is not without its price, as Jesus declares with an emphasis on repentance. It is easy to read the parable of the fruitless fig tree as one of mercy, that sparing the tree in the moment is a choice that can keep the wrath of God at bay that the tree can somehow make up its own mind to start producing figs. But it is the gardener that we must notice in this story, 
gardener pleads the case for the fig tree. The gardener sees potential in this tree. With proper, and that with proper care, it can start to produce fruit. It is the gardener that buys time for the tree with constant care, digging around its roots and applying the manure. Augustine, an early church father from the 4th and 5th centuries, understood the clear symbolic importance of the manure. He said that it was a sign of humility, and that is the essence of repentance. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The manure around our roots is the very blood of the one who pleads our case to God. The season of Lent is a season of repentance. But no matter what our sanctifying acts of penance are, they are nothing if we are not able to claim our own humility in Jesus Christ, who guarded regarded equality with God as something not to be exploited. And he who emptied himself and who humbled himself and became obedient to God to the point of death on a cross. Part of the human condition is getting excited with a big helping of juicy gossip or some self-righteous anger. I read a commentary once that said, if emotions were cuisine, self-righteous anger would be the piece de resistance. The dish we hover over at the buffet, the one that we come back for over and over again. Anger alone is not so tasty. It can leave a bitter taste in your mouth and cause some uncomfortable physical reactions. Oh, but on the other hand, the self-righteous anger leaves us satisfied and feeling superior. It elevates us to a place not only above our enemies, but among lesser mortals as well. We can get through anything as long as we have our helping of self-righteous anger. And it's one of those delicious dishes that heats, reheats really well. Each time it hits the oven, those seasonings marry to perfection, time after time. Lent messes with our servings of such deliciousness. As we have seen today in the scripture lesson, while Jesus is with his friends and his fellow countrymen, the Galileans, he is told about the atrocities of the Romans towards the Galileans. It was bad enough that the region was under occupation by the Romans, but now they're killing the people? It is certainly something to get upset about. Exaggerations of what the enemies are up to is something that still happens. It helps fuel the fire of fury and vengeance. No matter how ridiculous the story might sound, if it gets the ire of the people up to for a fight, then it's going to be told. People who question are accused of disloyalty. It is said that anyone who enjoys cheese or sausage should never see how either are made. And the same can be said for self-righteous anger. It is a dish best served with those that agree with its deliciousness. 
Jesus is expected to hear the stories coming from Jerusalem and become heated with the moral superiority of his countrymen and to be against the Romans, the very epitome of all things evil. But Jesus does not go along with it. He does not focus on Pilate or the Romans, but remains focused on those around him. He does not tell them that the Romans are evil or good. But he reminds the people that those that died were no better or worse than those who are standing before him. That all need to repent and turn their eyes, turn their eyes to God. Later in Luke, Jesus reminds his disciples to tend to the log in their own eye before worrying about the splinter in their neighbor's eye. We live in a world today not much different than that of the one of Jesus. Not too different than the rumoring Galileans. Everyone wants to blame everyone else for the problems in the world. Conservatives blame Hollywood and the ACLU. Liberals blame militarists and the pharmaceutical companies. Through all of this, Jesus is reminding us to hold on, slow down, and think about a scrawny, ugly fig tree. One that stopped bearing fruits long ago. The farm owner comes along, sees it, and says, cut that ugly thing down. But the head gardener says, let me aerate the soil around it. Throw some fertilizer down on the poor thing, and let's see in another year whether we can get some fruit on it. If it doesn't work, then okay, I'll cut it down. So just when we start to see ourselves with our torches and our pitchforks, with our delusions of grandeur, Jesus comes and knocks us back to reality. He asks us if we are like the fig tree. Are you bearing fruit, or are you just taking up precious real estate? To be honest, if God were in the business of doling out punishments and judgments in relation to our sins, there wouldn't be very many people left on the planet. Jesus reminds us in this text that there are no easy answers to some of the lives, to some of life's deep and complex questions. He does not give us a list of quick fixes to the things that trouble us and does not give a shallow theological thinking either. Jesus is responding to a human ache, but it is also a missional moment for him. After he says no, he goes on to include the, poss the responsibilities of those that hear his words. No, those Galileans did not, that died did not sin any more than the Galileans standing before him, but unless they all repent, they will perish likewise. Realizing the mysteries of life and seeing the limits of our own universal knowledge does not give us the right to stand still. Or as Luke described, in the, described the disciples after Jesus' death, paralyzed and unable to move. Jesus is on a mission. The disciples of Christ then and now follow his way in the spirit and continue that mission. So much is unknown 
There are so many questions, and they will probably remain unanswered. The future is God's, but we share in the mission of its unfolding. Faith is taking your best step forward and leaving the rest to God. The results of our witness are not ours to know, but God's. The working of God's kingdom is not ours to know, but God's. It is our job to keep moving without all of the answers, to witness and then to wait. We work now for a future that we are not meant to control. Like the gardener that does everything it can to make sure that the tree begins to bear fruit again, we can witness to someone. We can provide them with the tools they need to be fruitful in life and in their relationship with God. But ultimately, it is up to the person to make the change. We put in the work in hopes that they will change, but it is up to them to turn to God and bear the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus continued to tell stories where the points were left to the hearer. It is still that way. We all interpret the gospel of Jesus Christ a little differently than the person sitting next to us. But of the things we must agree, it is grace and mercy of God and the sanctifying love of Jesus Christ. Amen.